Section 12 of Report to the President by the Presidential Commission on the Space Shuttle Challenger Accident. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Michael, Sussex, Wisconsin, USA, February 2021. Report to the President by the Presidential Commission on the Space Shuttle Challenger Accident, Section 12. Chapter 6. An Accident Rooted in History Early Design The Space Shuttle's solid rocket booster problem began with the faulty design of its joint and increased as both NASA and contractor management first failed to recognize it as a problem, then failed to fix it, and finally treated it as an acceptable flight risk. Morton Thiokol, Inc., the contractor, did not accept the implication of tests early in the program that the design had a serious and unanticipated flaw. NASA did not accept the judgment of its engineers that the design was unacceptable, and as the joint problems grew in number and severity, NASA minimized them in management briefings and reports. Thiokol's stated position was that, quote, the condition is not desirable but is acceptable, end quote. Neither Thiokol nor NASA expected the rubber O-rings sealing the joints to be touched by hot gases of motor ignition, much less to be partially burned. However, as tests and then flights confirmed damage to the sealing rings, the reaction by both NASA and Thiokol was to increase the amount of damage considered acceptable. At no time did management either recommend a redesign of the joint or call for the shuttle's grounding until the problem was solved. Thiokol was selected to receive the NASA contract to design and build the solid rocket boosters on November 20, 1973. The booster was the largest solid rocket motor ever produced in the United States. It was also the first solid motor program managed by NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama. Costs were the primary concern of NASA's selection board, particularly those incurred early in the program. Thiokol's three competitors were Aerojet Solid Propulsion Company, Lockheed Propulsion Company, and United Technologies. The Source Evaluation Board on the proposals rated Thiokol fourth under the Design, Development, and Verification Factor, second under the Manufacturing, Refurbishment, and Product Support Factor, and first under the Management Factor. Thiokol received the second-highest overall mission suitability score, tied with United Technologies. In a December 12, 1973 report, NASA selection officials said Thiokol's, quote, cost advantages were substantial and consistent throughout all areas evaluated, end quote. They also singled out Thiokol's joint design for special mention. Quote, the Thiokol motor case joints utilized dual O-rings and test ports between seals, enabling a simple leak check without pressurizing the entire motor, end quote, the official's report said. Quote, this innovative design feature increased reliability and decreased operations at the launch site, indicating good intention to low cost, design, development, testing, and engineering, and production. We noted that the NASA Source Selection Board's analysis of cost factors indicated that Thiokol could do a more economical job than any of the other proposers in both the development and the production phases of the program. 
and that, accordingly, the cost per flight to be expected from a Thiokol-built motor would be the lowest, end quote, the official said. Quote, we therefore concluded that any selection other than Thiokol would give rise to an additional cost of appreciable size, end quote. The selection officials said that they, quote, found no other factors bearing upon the selection that ranked in weight with the foregoing, end quote. Cost consideration overrode any other objections, they decided. We concluded that the main criticisms of the Thiokol proposal in the mission suitability evaluation were technical in nature, were readily correctable, and the cost to correct did not negate the sizable Thiokol cost advantage, the selection officials concluded. The cost plus award fee contract, estimated to be worth $800 million, was awarded to Thiokol. The design of the shuttle's solid rocket booster was primarily based on the Air Force's Titan III solid rocket, one of the most reliable ever produced. Thiokol hoped to reduce new design problems, speed up the development program, and cut costs by borrowing from the Titan design. In Thiokol's solid rocket motor proposal, the rocket fuel is contained in four forged steel cases which are stacked one on top of the other. The casings were connected by a circumferential tang and clevis, as were the Titans. Despite their many similarities, the Thiokol solid rocket booster and the Titan motors had some significant design differences. For example, the joints of the Titan were designed so that the insulation of one case fits tightly against the insulation of the adjacent case to form a more gas-tight fit than the Thiokol design. One O-ring bore seal was used in each Titan joint to stop any hot gas pressure that might pass by the insulation overlap. But in the Titan design, the O-ring was able but not intended to take the brunt of the combustion pressure. In contrast, the Thiokol O-rings were designed to take the brunt of the combustion pressure with no other gas barriers present except an insulating putty. Also, the solid rocket motor joint had two O-rings, the second to provide a backup in case the primary seal failed. Asbestos-filled putty was used in the solid rocket motor to pack the space between the two case segments to prevent O-ring damage from the heat of combustion gases. Thiokol believed the putty was plastic, so when acted on by the combustion pressure at the motor's ignition, the putty flow towards the O-ring would compress the air in the gap between the putty and the primary O-ring. The compressed air, in turn, would cause the primary O-ring to extrude into the gap between the clevis and the tang, behind the primary O-ring groove, thereby sealing the opening. If the primary O-ring did not seal, the intent was that the secondary would pressurize and seal the joint, by extruding into the gap behind its groove. Another difference in the solid rocket motor and the Titan was that the tang portion of the Thiokol joint was longer in order to accommodate two O-rings instead of one. It was more susceptible to bending under combustion pressure than the Titan joint, as post-design tests and later flight experience demonstrated. The initial Thiokol design proposal was changed before the production motors were manufactured. 
Originally, the joint seal design incorporated both a face seal and a bore seal. However, the motor that was eventually used had double bore O-rings. The original bore seal face seal design was chosen because it was anticipated that it, quote, provides better redundance over a double bore ring seal since each is controlled by different manufacturing tolerances and each responds differently during joint assembly, end quote. Because the early design incorporated tolerances similar to the Titan, and it also incorporated a face seal, Thiokol believed it possessed, quote, complete redundant seal capability, end quote. Nevertheless, as the solid rocket motor program progressed, Thiokol's, with NASA's concurrence, dropped the face bore seal design for one using a double bore seal. NASA engineers at Marshall said the original design would have required tapered pins to maintain necessary tolerances and assure enough, quote, squeeze on the face sealing O-ring. However, design analysis determined that motor ignition would create tension loads on the joint sufficient to cause the tapered pins to pop out. Solving that would have meant designing some type of pin retainers. Moreover, the rocket assembly was much easier with the dual bore seals. Because inspections and tests had to be conducted on the solid rocket motor stack, horizontal assembly was required. Thiokol engineer Howard McIntosh described this in a commission interview on April 2, 1986. Quote, we were concerned very much about the horizontal assembly that we had to do to do the static tests. The Titan had always been assembled vertically, and so there had never been a larger rocket motor, to our knowledge, that was assembled horizontally. End quote. Because of the extremely tight tolerances in the joints caused by horizontal assembly, McIntosh noted, quote, We put the bore seals in there, and we opened the tolerance in the gap slightly to accommodate that, end quote. To tighten the joints fit and to increase the squeeze in the O-rings to compensate for the larger tolerances, Thiokol subsequently put thin metal shims between the outer walls of the tang and clevis. Another significant feature of the Thiokol design was a vent or port on the side of the motor case used after assembly to check the sealing of the O-rings. As will be noted later, this leak check eventually became a significant aspect of the O-ring erosion phenomenon. The manufacture of the O-rings themselves constituted another difference between the Titan and the Thiokol solid rocket motor. While both O-rings were Viton rubber, the Titan O-rings were molded in one piece. The solid rocket motor O-rings were made from sections of rubber O-ring material glued together. The specifications allowed five such joints, a number chosen arbitrarily, and the vendor routinely made repairs of voids and inclusions after getting the material supplies. Only surface inspections were performed by Thiokol and by the manufacturer. Finally, unlike the Titan, the Thiokol solid rocket motor was designed for multiple firings. To reduce program costs, each Thiokol motor case for the shuttle was to be recovered after flight and reused up to 20 times.
Early Tests Thiokol began testing the solid rocket motor in the mid-1970s. One of the early important tests was a 1977 hydro-burst test. Its purpose was to test the strength of the steel cases by simulating a motor firing. The case was pressurized with water to about one and one-half times the pressure of an ignited motor, about 1,500 pounds per square inch, to make certain the case had adequate structural margin. Also, to measure the pressure between the O-rings, engineers attached instruments to the leak test port at a segment joint. Although the test was successful in that it demonstrated the case met strength requirements, test measurements showed that, contrary to design expectations, the joint tang and inside clevis bent away from each other instead of toward each other, and by doing so, reduced, instead of increased, pressure on the O-ring in the milliseconds after ignition. This phenomena was called joint rotation. Testifying before the commission, Arnold Thompson, Thiokol supervisor of structures said, we discovered that the joint was opening rather than closing as our original analysis had indicated. And in fact, it was quite a bit. I think it was up to 52 one thousandths of an inch at that time to the primary O-ring, end quote. Thiokol reported these initial test findings to the NASA program office at Marshall. Thiokol engineers did not believe the test results really proved that joint rotation would cause significant problems and scheduled no additional tests for the specific purpose of confirming or disproving the joint gap behavior. Design Objections Reaction from Marshall to the early solid rocket motor test results was rapid and totally opposite of Thiokol's. In a September 2, 1977 memorandum, Glenn Udy, Marshall's chief engineer of the Solid Rocket Motor Division, informed Alex McCool, director of Structures and Propulsion Laboratory, that the assembly of a developmental motor provided early indications that the Thiokol design, quote, allowed O-ring clearance. Some people believe this design deficiency must be corrected by some method, such as shimming, and perhaps design modification to the case joint for hardware which has not been final machined. I personally believe that our first choice should be to correct the design in a way that eliminates the possibility of O-ring clearance. Since this is a very critical SRM issue, it is requested that the assignment results be compiled in such a manner as to permit review at the SNE director's level, as well as project manager." End quote. After seeing the data from the September 1977 hydroburst test, Marshall engineer Leon Ray submitted a report entitled Solid Rocket Motor Joint Leakage Study, dated October 21, 1977. It characterizes no change in the thiocol design as unacceptable. Tang can move outboard and cause excessive joint clearance resulting in seal leakage. Eccentric tang clevis interface can cause O-ring extrusion when case is pressurized, end quote. Ray recommended a redesign of the tang and reduced tolerance on the clevis as the best option for a long-term fix. After Ray's 1977 report, John Q. Miller, chief of the solid rocket motor branch at Marshall, 
signed and sent a memorandum on January 9, 1978, to his superior, Glenn Udy, describing the problems evident in the solid rocket motor joint seal. Quote, we see no valid reason for not designing to accept its standards, end quote, the memo said, and it emphasized that proper sealing of the joint by use of shims to create necessary O-ring pressure was, quote, mandatory to prevent hot gas leaks and resulting catastrophic failure, end quote. One year later, not having received a response to his 1978 memo, Miller signed and forwarded a second memo strenuously objecting to Thiokol's solid rocket motor joint seal design. This memo, dated January 19, 1979, opened with, We find the Thiokol position regarding design adequacy of the clevis joint to be completely unacceptable. The memorandum made three principal objections to Thiokol's joint design. The first was the large ceiling surface gap created by extensive tang clevis relative movement. The memo said this movement, the so-called joint rotation, caused the primary O-ring to extrude into the gap, forcing the seal to function in a way that violates industry and government O-ring application practices. Moreover, joint rotation allowed the secondary O-ring to become completely disengaged from its sealing surface on the tang. Finally, the memorandum noted that although Thiokol's contract required all high-pressure case seals to be verified, the clevis joint secondary O-ring seal had been verified by tests to be unsatisfactory. A copy of the second memorandum was sent to George Hardy, then Solid Rocket Booster Project Manager at Marshall. Thiokol apparently did not receive copies of either Miller Memorandum and no reply from Udi to Miller has been found. The Commission has learned that Leon Ray actually authored the Miller memos to Udi, although Miller signed them and concurred in the objections raised. During February 1979, Ray also reported on a visit he made to two O-ring manufacturers, the Precision Rubber Products Corporation at Lebanon, Tennessee, and the Parker Seal Company at Lexington, Kentucky. Udi accompanied Ray on the Precision visit. The purpose of the trips was to give the manufacturers the data on the O-ring experiences at Thiokol and to, quote, seek opinions regarding potential risks involved, Ray wrote in a February 9, 1979 memo describing the visit. Officials at Precision did voice concern for the design, stating that the solid rocket motor O-ring extrusion gap was larger than that covered by their experience, Ray reported. Their first thought was that the O-ring was being asked to perform beyond its intended design, and that a different type of seal should be considered, Ray added. During the commission hearing on May 2, 1986, Ray was asked why the 1978 and 1979 memoranda were written. Mr. Ray The reason they were written was as a result of test data that we had. And I have to go back to, I guess, a little bit further back in time than these memos. When the joint was first designed, the analysis produced by Thiokol says the joint would close. The extrusion gap would actually close. 
we had quite a debate about that until we did a test on the first couple of segments that we received from the manufacturer, which in fact showed that the joint did open. Later on, we did some tests with the structural test article, and this is mentioned in the memo as STA1, structural test article. At that time, we really nailed it down. We got some very accurate numbers on the joint rotation, and we know for a fact that during these tests that just what the memo says, the joint rotated. The primary O-ring was extruded up into the joint. The secondary O-ring did in fact detach from the seat. No records show Thiokol was informed of the visits, and the O-ring design was not changed. Thiokol's Phase 1 certification review on March 23, 1979 mentioned leak check failures and forces during case joint assembly that resulted in clevis O-ring grooves not conforming with tang sealing surfaces. However, this was not listed as a problem or a failure. Verification and Certification Committee While Ray was warning of problems with joint rotation, static motor tests in July 1978 and April 1980 again were demonstrating that inner tang clevis relative movement was greater than originally predicted. Thiokol continued to question the validity of these joint rotation measurements and their effect on the availability of the secondary O-ring. In 1980, NASA empaneled a Space Shuttle Verification Certification Committee to study the flightworthiness of the entire shuttle system. A subdivision of that group, the Propulsion Committee, met with NASA Solid Rocket Motor Program personnel and raised several concerns about the joint design. The committee pointed out that the booster's leak test pressurized the primary O-ring in the wrong direction so that the motor ignition would have to move the ring across its groove before it sealed. The committee added that the effect of the insulation putty was not certain. Redundancy of the O-rings was also listed as a verification concern. The same report, however, said the committee understands from a telecon that the primary purpose of the second O-ring is to test the primary, and that redundancy is not a requirement. George Hardy testified that the committee's statement conflicted with his understanding. Quote, the discussion there or the reference there to a telecon, and I don't know who that was with, that implies there was no intent for the joint to be redundant, is totally foreign to me. I don't know where they would have gotten that information because that was the design requirement for the joint. End quote. In May 1980, the Verification Certification Committee recommended that NASA conduct full-scale tests to verify the field joint integrity, including firing motors at a mean bulk propellant temperature range of 40 to 90 degrees Fahrenheit. The panel also asked NASA to, quote, perform case burst test with one O-ring removed. During the burst test for final verification of the motor case safety factor, one of the two O-rings failed by extrusion and leaked. The analysis used for additional verification did not include further gap openings caused by joint deflection at pressurization or any deflections caused by bending loads. The panel considers the above to be inadequate to provide operational program reliability, 
and marginal to provide adequate safety factor confidence on Shuttle Flight 1." End quote. The NASA program response to these issues was included in the final committee report in September 1980. It said that the original hydroburst tests and the lightweight case tests being conducted at the time satisfied the intent of the committee's recommendations. Moreover, the response stated, NASA specialists have reviewed the field joint design, updated with larger O-rings and thicker shims, and found the safety factors to be adequate for the current design. Reanalysis of the joint with larger O-rings and thicker shims is being accomplished as part of the lightweight case program. The joint has been sufficiently verified with the testing accomplished to date, joint lab tests, structural test article, and seven static firings and the two case configuration burst tests, and currently scheduled for lightweight case program. End of section 12. Recording by John Michael, Sussex, Wisconsin, USA, February 2021.